And we're live. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. This is episode 130. Um, now we're we're facing a little technical difficulty because Larry's having some internet issues at home. So we're we've got all of our fingers and toes crossed that everything's gonna work. But everything was working fine before I hit the button. So we'll we'll see how that goes. Um we have faced some challenges over this time we've been doing this be five years in april or march be five years in march i've been here and so it's probably been three and three and a half or so that we've formally done this program and both of us have been unfortunately surprised at the number of times that we have faced experienced drivers that don't know some really fundamental things about trucking. Now, you know, I can understand you not knowing the, the mechanical systems of the truck, unless you're, you know, like me grew up, my dad turning wrenches and just knowing how to do stuff. Right. Um, but I'm talking hours of service. I'm talking map reading, um, understanding the rules and regulations of the industry, understanding kind of the basic history of the, of the industry. Um, and, and then, you know, other issues of, of people not, I, we have long said that people, it seems, it seems strange that people would come to Landstar and complain about the contract that they signed. You know, they, they put their name on a contract. It's how many pages? 30 some? No, no, no. 60. Oh, 60. Okay. <clears throat> they put their name on a 60 page contract and we're like, well, they obviously didn't read it, but I'm starting to wonder, can they read it? Do they really understand what those words mean? And, you know, cause it's got some lawyer ease in it and, uh, the contractor and the carrier and it, it's, it's not plain English, but you know, I'm just starting to wonder if people can even read and understand the words that are on these contracts and you know, guys not knowing how to scale a truck. I, I just, I, I just had this assumption and, and, and obviously I was wrong. Very, very, very wrong that someone with one year minimum over the road experience, which is what you've got to have to come to Landstar, what you've got to have to come to us, that you would know how to scale a truck. You'd know how to slide tandems. You'd know how to, what happens when you slide the fifth wheel, why you would slide the fifth wheel, um, the legal weights on the steers and the legal weights on the drives and the trailer and how to use a cat scale, um, <clears throat> how to calculate fuel mileage. You know, other than saying, well, the thing on the dash says dot, dot, dot. Well, that's not, it's just, it's just been frustrating and surprising. And, and so now after two or three years of this, I'm just convinced that these training companies must be doing this on purpose. Why else? I, I just, how, how can you, how can you go to a trucking school for generally, I don't know, four to six weeks. Mine was four weeks in 97. 
and then spend however many weeks with a trainer and then spend all the time and you don't know how to, you don't know how to slide your tandems and, and you don't know, you know, I was talking with our friend Randy as BCO and he was like, man, I can eyeball it, you know, um, and, and get pretty close as can I, you know, I can look at a load and say, well, if I put the trailer tires right here, I'm probably good. And most of the time I'm right. So it's just been surprising. So we're just going to go over some of these, these basics. And, and, and this is not to give you every piece of information you, you need. Hopefully it will spark some curiosity in you that you will go, Oh, okay. Well, if I don't, if I don't really know how to scale a truck, then I should, I should start seeking out that information. If I don't know how to plan a trip, if I don't know how to calculate fuel mileage, um, if I don't understand, you know, IFTA, which is not freaking rocket science, you know, so that's kind of what we're going to do tonight. And, um, and as usual, we'll, we'll be perusing your comments and, and questions and, and we'll go from there. So, my favorite topic we can start with uh, is this right here, and I've got a visual aid. For the audio listeners, I'm holding up to the camera a large-scale motor carrier's road atlas. Now, I just bought this the other day. It's about 60 bucks at the truck stop. And here's what I found fascinating. <clears throat> As I just started at page one, because it, it's probably been a while since I've been in the first 30 or 40 pages of this book. But I started at page one, and it has a table of contents. And then we get into uh, hazardous materials. Lots of good information about placards and proper labeling and mark, markings and classifications of materials and shipping papers. Y'all, that's on page two. Um. And inspection procedures for doing a pre-trip. You know, that this is what has amazed me of, 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 of I've asked some questions of people and they just look at me with a blank stare. And I'm like, well, have you ever read an Atlas motor carrier programs, fuel tax? And one of the most fascinating pages in here, I want to get to this because I found it to be very, uh, oh, National weight and size provisions. Weight and size provisions for every state. Uh, all broken down to tell you what what the what what the the weight limits are per state. And of course, it's got pages and pages and pages of uh, uh, of, of phone numbers. Uh, gosh, I want to get to this one page i wish i'd have looked this up before i started so i wouldn't look like such an idiot right here we but, do well yeah i'm sure you we do. wish you had to well there was a page in here that i found just fascinating it talked about the motor carrier act of 1980 the motor carrier act of 1991 the surface transportation act which is that staa that you see talking about staa roads so that's from the Surface Transportation Act, and that's what gave us, uh, the, the Motor Carrier Act of 1991 is what gave us the International Registration Plan, the IRP, that, that your plate is, uh, IFTA. All that started in 1991, 
And it literally talks about it in this book. And so over the last couple of weeks, I've, I've had an opportunity to sit down with a couple of drivers. And I said, I started with this. I, I just opened Google Maps. I closed my eyes and I, and I held down on the screen that it would give me a random town. And I said, okay, can you find that town in this book? And they were, don't really know. And I said, well, there's an index in the back that has every city in it, in every state, and it'll tell you exactly where that is on that map. So, um, again, I'm not against technology. I'm sitting at a desk that has all the technology. I've got a Mac and an iPhone and an iPad and a, an Internet-connected telephone. I love technology. But when you lack the basics, the basics of how to just read a map, okay? Because one thing that I started to understand is that having used a map for as long as I did, I have like a photographic memory. I have, I have a snapshot in my head of that map. And I feel like if you're just programming numbers into the GPS and then you're following the GPS wherever it goes, maybe you can't look and see that straight, you know, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. It, I used to, back in the day, literally would lay a, a ruler down between the two points. And, okay, well, there's the straight line. So what roads are closest to the straight line? Well, now we have all this great technology that is a, a wonderfully helpful tool. I'm not against GPS. I'm not against Google Maps. What I'm against is blindly following them and not using a, a little bit of logic, a little bit of common sense, um, and, and looking at how that lays out on that map and consulting that map, because that map literally has the truck routes highlighted in orange. And if it's not orange, maybe go, hmm, well, the GPS is telling me to take this road, but the Ray McNally map says that's not a truck route. Maybe I should look into that further. Maybe I should Google that state's website. Maybe I should look for that road name. And maybe I should try to find a story or something about that road. Maybe it's changed recently. What, what, what you got to have some curiosity and then get on the Google machine and start asking some questions because, you know, when I started back in the day, all I had was the CB. And, you know, you'd get on the CB and you'd ask other drivers and hope they didn't lie to you. Uh, but that's how I learned. Well, now we don't have that as much. I don't, I don't have a CB. I haven't used a CB in probably five or six years. So, um, and of course, God help you if you go to Facebook, um, you know, just give me the wrong answer, you know. So, uh, maps is, is my big thing. I, I think you should... You should have a motor carrier atlas and you should start looking at it and you should start reading it and you should start understanding the key and, and what different symbols mean um, so that, you know, you have an understanding of, of what that of, of what that means. And I find it fascinating that I've met drivers recently that don't know what mile markers mean. Like, how does that I just can't imagine how that happens that you don't know that exit 34 means you're 34 miles from the state line if you're going west you know uh or you know stuff like that so it's just been you know you've got to know how to read a map you you just have to and 
you need to have one in your truck that you can consult. Um, you know, it's just been, like I said, it's been crazy that guys would call me and be like, uh, well, Hey, I, I need a truck stop. Okay. Well, do you want me to use an app on my phone that you could get on your phone to find you a place to stop because you can't find one? I'm not saying I won't tell you where, because I can tell you most of them from memory because I've been there. Right. I get that. But it's not like, um, I, I've got to kind of teach you how to walk on your own. You know what I mean? You got anything to add to maps? <clears throat> Because you didn't have GPS, right, in the beginning? Well, it was just coming out, but but I was not allowed to use it. My trainer would not allow me. The only one we had back then was was laptop-based. It was, what's that company, Chris? Copilot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it was like the very first version of it. And, you know, I, I had it because, like you, know, like you, I was I'm a technology kind of a guy. And, uh, you know, I, I wanted every, you know, aid that I could get but he forbid it. You know, we trip planned in the morning. We, he used a, a top bound spiral little pocket notebook and we would write all the directions out for every turn we were going to make today on that little spiral notebook. And he would lay it up on the dash so that it would hang down so he could glance down at it. And that's how I was taught to trip plan. You know, we would get the map out first thing in the morning or the night before or whatever and route out where we're going to go. And everything was going to be done, and we just followed that, you know. Um, but you know, I, I I guess I'm looking at things from a bigger picture. You know, never once. I mean, I've only been a driver since 2008. You know, I don't hold myself out to be any kind of a great driver. There's probably everybody listening tonight's a better driver than I am. Um, and so that I never fashioned this program or myself to, and I never ever had the desire to go teach trucking at a truck school. You know, I, I can't think of anything that would make me put a bullet in my head quicker. Okay. <laughs> um, and so I, I just, I, I never, I, I just never thought that that would be something I would have to worry about. You know, I, um, and, and we've said, we said many, many times, we do not run a trucking school here. You have to come here already with the ability, which is why we have the minimum requirements and why Landstar has minimum requirements to, you know, to potentially weed out people who aren't experienced enough to even consider to be a, a, an owner operator. Yeah. Um, so if you're, if your attention is being, you know, sidetracked, from the business of trucking to how to scale the friggin' trailer. Um, I, I have to question where you are and, and you're, why you're even looking at, I mean, th th you know, that, that's, that's so elementary that that experience has to be. And, and here's the other thing, Chris, and, 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 and you know, this more than anybody, you don't have to know things if you can ask somebody all the time. Okay. You know, you, we teach, we, we spend a weekend and another weekend and hours and hours and hours telling everybody that comes here, everything they need to know. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you'll have some people that'll sit there and they'll take copious notes and, you know, and, um, you know, try to internalize it. And there'll be others that just look at you 
don't have a question, mm-hmm. you know, you ask them a question. Yeah. 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 And then the first thing they have to do when they leave there and, and, and a couple of times it's been go down to the TA and put fuel in the truck and they don't have any idea how to do it. Yep. Yeah. And, and so hearing is one thing comprehending or trying to learn is another thing. I, I've talked about this with my wife today because she is a 35 year master teacher, you know, and she right away recognized what I was talking about. She goes, Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, it's very, very common for people not to, not to learn as long as they can ask. There, there's no reason to learn because I can go to someplace and in trucking, most of that is Facebook. Um, and just ask somebody what I need to know. I don't, you know, l- look at all the examples on there. Okay. Everybody here goes to orientation orientation. They tell you what the login, <laughs> excuse me. They even give you an email with how to log into your logs, uh, how to retrieve your logs. Okay. But yet every day mm-hmm. there's somebody on there. Well, I've, I've changed phones. I can't log into my ELD. I mean, that, that information was given to you. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't even express how, how moronic it is to, to be given information and not have some system of filing it or, you know, retrieving it or knowing that you knew it once it must be somewhere. Mm-hmm. Let me just go ask somebody, you know, and then, and then two weeks later, they'll, they'll, they'll have to ask them out the same, the same question. You know, you have to learn. You have to take information, internalize it, and learn. And that's what, you know, we, I was talking to you earlier today. You know, the military is having a hell of a problem right now with recruiting. Now, you brought up a point that I didn't think about. But their biggest problem right now is they can't find enough people from 17 to 24 that can pass the test. Because they never learned the knowledge, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I mean, we, we have a learning problem. You know, that's, that's the problem. You know, er, nobody, nobody can come to Landstar that hasn't had at least a year's experience, okay? And mm-hmm. in that year, they had to, at least somewhere before that year happened, they had to go to a CDL school somewhere, okay? Would hope. They yeah. had to sit with a trainer for certain, so many weeks, Okay. They had to drive on their own for at least a year. And you come here without the basic understanding of how to open that book up you got in your hand. And every CDL school in the country probably hands that out, you know, mm-hmm. uh, when, before you leave there. And, well, we, we had to open it up and use it. I mean, we had to literally take it and go do homework, mm-hmm. you know. We were forced oh, yeah. to open it up, you know. Uh, the problem-solving questions that we were given, you know, required you to do what you're doing right now. Um. So, you know, I I guess my frustration is that I I don't want to be a trucking school. Um, I didn't think I'd ever have to have a trucking school. I figured there's out of six million people with CDLs in this country, (laughs) I could get 14 of them that knew how to wipe their ass, you know? Yeah. But the problem is we're finding that that's not the case, you know? We're finding that we get people that come here. And they're not, re- they're not ready to even be professional drivers, much less even consider becoming an owner-operator. Yeah. So while I appreciate everything you're saying, and I understand everything, and you have to deal with it more than me because you run the fleet. But 
my my comment would be if you if you don't know how to do this stuff, there's no way you should consider buying a truck. Well, you yeah, know? 100%. Which, all of this leads to the statistics that we talk about all the while. You know, we, we come up with all these reasons why people fail in this industry. We really don't talk about that one. I probably ought to add that to my list. You know, you, you, you're, 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 you don't even know how to be a professional at what you've chosen to do, you know. Um, so I, I don't know. I, you know, I, to me, I'm, I, I'm now I'm, I'm trivializing it, but it, it's something that I didn't ever think I'd have to deal with. I don't really want to deal with it, honestly. Um, you know, I, I would, I would rather, um, deal with people who this we're, we're, we're more advanced than that. If you're thinking about buying a truck and becoming an owner operator, and we have to teach you how to open a, a, a book and, and, and find information I, I don't know that we've got the right person, you know. I think that, you know, I I I like the little hair I have. I like to hold on to some of it, <laughs> but you know, every once in a while I lose some of it because I just can't understand why we're doing what we're doing, you know. So I don't well, know, one probably, of the, the answer you want me to give you. But. Well, you 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 brought up something that was interesting, which was the login credentials for the ELD, right? I can still go into my Gmail and search and find the email that the log department sent me in April of 2014 that had my login credentials and all of the instructions of how to log into Omnitrax and download my logs. Now, they sent me a fresh copy when I came to work for you, but the credentials were the same. They didn't change. My Landstar driver number did not change. It's a six digit number that everybody's given. And I guess I don't understand why someone hands you an identifying number. That seems important. Like that's probably something I should remember. Well, but yet a- it's weeks later, months later. What's your, uh, what's your driver number? Oh, uh, well, I, I don't know. Let me, uh, you know, let me, let me, I forgot. Well, it's in my wallet somewhere. Let me, let me dig it. And I'm like, how do you can't remember a six digit number? Like, why is that? I'm, I, my question is, why is that not important enough for you to go? Why this seems like something I should really, really work on remembering. Well, that, right. that's the point I'm going to make is that you, you're given that at orientation. It's supposed to be something that, I mean, you, you can tell that that's something that you're going to need from time to time. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I do at orientation is I put it in my contact, okay? I, I'm not the smartest guy out there, but I, 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 it, it, it was put there the day I was in orientation. It's still right, right there, you know? Um, because I knew that that information, I was going to have to spit that back out sometime or another. And the easiest way for me to find it without having to go through email since 2009 was it's on my Landstar corporate contact in the notes that's where it is Mm -hmm. and now i've got to pause for a minute here and explain something to you that i forgot to tell you about me yeah so youtube has this thing called super chats and we just got one i I had enabled this because it popped i got an email one day he's like hey you can do super chats i'm like sure that sounds like a great idea so we just got a ten dollar super chat and Purple Yeti has sent us $10, and it says this $10 is my vow 
with Larry Long as my mentor and Chris Polk as my guide, in 10 years, I will be a trucking millionaire. So this is, this is ways that I never would have in a million years asked anybody to do this, by the way. I just saw it and I thought, well, because I see other YouTubers do it and they have the super chat thing. So I enabled it, never thinking anybody would ever use it. So now we can take this $10 and we can frame it, you know, or spend it on bourbon, which, whichever we choose, you know, one or the other. Speaking um, of which, I found a new bourbon this weekend. Oh, you did? Yeah. I'll you tell did. you about it later. We'll talk oh, about okay. it. Okay. All right. <clears throat> so there you go. This is this is a super chat, and we've gotten our first, maybe our last, but hey, we got one. It's in it's in the bank. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks for the vote <clears throat> of confidence there, Purple Yeti. Um, uh, well, you know, there's, there's, there's no reason that you can't. Okay. And, uh, it, 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 it's just all about priorities and, yeah. um, you know, so <clears throat> kind of pigging off, piggybacking off of that, you know, the, the, the driver number, the ELD credentials. I mean, I know my social security number. I'm sure you do, you know, I know all three of my kids have it memorized because at some point I went, this is probably something I should remember, you know? And, uh, my daughter just got her first job. She's got a part-time job and she went to fill out the application. And I said, so, uh, how about that social security number? And she was like, Oh, she had five of the, was it nine? She had five of the nine. I'm like, okay, I'll allow it. Uh, but then today she got her first paycheck and I said, okay, well, 25% is going in savings right off the top. Um, and I had her create a file folder in her phone and she scanned her first pay stub. And I'm like, you need to keep these because this is something that's important. And, you know, I, I, I would love to do like a random inspection of all of our people. And say, no, you no, you wouldn't. <laughs> no, it, no, I 100% wouldn't. But you'll need that the, bourbon that I found this weekend if you decide to do that. <laughs> for, for the sake of the argument, okay. What I would love to, I'd just love to do a random inspection of like their computer and say, okay, do you have a spreadsheet where you're tracking your loads? Are you tracking your trailers? Are you uh, calculating your expenses? Uh, do you have a fuel gauges account? Have you done any of the stuff that we told you to do from day one? Because this program is meant to be practice this this program is meant to give you the opportunity to pretend that you're the owner operator that you're going to do everything that you would need to do if you own the truck i would love to know if you're actually doing it and i would guarantee it's 99 percent no no i don't have a spreadsheet i'm keeping all my loads in no i don't i'm not tracking my fuel mileage with fuel gauges no i'm not keeping up with my expenses no i'm not because, I mean, look, I'm just being honest. We're telling you to do a maintenance report and write your mileage on your ticket. And, I mean, every Sunday you're trying to reconcile fuel tickets and they're, they're missing. I'm like, well, where the hell did they go? If you would follow the instructions that we give you, which is scan the fuel receipt before you leave the fuel line and scan the, the paperwork before you leave well, the receiver. But it's, 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 it's bigger than that. And you talk about it all the time when we're in orientation. We're not going to talk about the hows. We're going to talk about the whys. If we, if you understand the why, you know you the how will come to you. Exactly. So the reason I have to do this is because I reconcile the card activity statement. You know, it's just a part of it's. It's just what good business people do. 
Okay. Trust, but verify. I don't have to tell you mm-hmm. how many mistakes I find in Landstar's settlements and paperwork. Okay. So w- with fuel being our number one expense, wouldn't you think it'd be wise that I reconcile every one of those transactions to make sure it is number one, they're ours because I've found some that aren't. Yep. Um, basically kind of double check on our drivers where they're feeling and what, you know, what, so all these things are, are what's what drives these instructions that you give them. It's not because we want you to understand that here's the instruction. Understand that that's why we're, you need to do that because that's why we need to do it. And that's why you're going to need to do it when you, when you leave here. So that, that's the part that aggravates me, you know, I love these guys that they're surprised on, on Sunday when I put out their fuel mileage. Oh, I thought it was better than that. Well, wait a minute. If you were tracking your fuel mileage like you're supposed to be, you would already know exactly what your fuel mileage is. I yep. shouldn't be shocking you. Okay. Right. And I can tell you another thing. I'm, I, I've not done it, but I've been tempted to do it. You know, I've never had anybody. Now, you a couple of times, but I've never had anybody that's ever contacted me and said, Larry, there's a mistake. Well, I did have one, but it wasn't a mistake. Um, nobody's ever, ever challenged their paycheck. I mean, so rare. I mean, one or oh, two. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm human. Okay. I, mm-hmm. I, I could, I, I could make a mistake. Mm-hmm. They never know it. If they don't, if they don't have a spreadsheet and track every load, just like I do, how do they know? You know, how do they know? Mm-hmm. I mean, what if I shorted all of them 500 bucks next week? Wonder how many of them would call me. <laughs> Wonder how many wouldn't even know about it. But, but yet they're here to learn how to be in business. Okay. And, and what's the very first thing I taught you about being in business, check everything, mm-hmm. read every invoice, you know, read every word of every email. Read, yes. Yes. So that's, that's the big picture here. It's not the instructions. That's the how, what we need to teach is the why. And then they'll come up with the how without even, we had to be told to do it. But that's, that's another problem, you know, that we have, you know, is that we're trying to get people to quit being employees and become employers, you know, quit being truck drivers and become business owners. Um, you know, they get all caught up in, you know, um, the, the, the daily routines of driving a truck. And they, they don't really think about what they're here to do. And that's to learn how to run a business, you know? Um, and that's what's, that's, that's what is a little bit frustrating, you know, is that we need to, you know, make sure they understand that that's all important because that's the vocation you chose to participate in. But if you want to be, um, you know, a, a, a successful, profitable business owner, you got to learn how to do these other things. Now, I, I got an e- I don't think I've told you this. I got an email this week that somebody challenged my statement last week where I said, if you go buy one truck, you're buying yourself a job. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but if you want to grow wealth, you have to have, you know, more than one income source. <clears throat> so this, this person, you know, went on to tell how he agreed with most things that we said, but he didn't agree with that because he didn't really want to be wealthy. He just, he liked his job that he bought for himself. Now, I haven't responded to him unless he's listening right now, but I will respond. And that is that <clears throat> there's nothing wrong with buying a job, but that's what you've done is you've bought a job. Mm-hmm. Now, if that job can provide you with, and I'm going to use the word wealth, but I don't, that's what it is. You know, there's a big difference between a millionaire and a billionaire. You, you realize that, right? Oh, yeah. Millionaires are not extravagantly, the guys next door to where you live, 
could very likely be a millionaire. The mm-hmm. average millionaire drives a 2016 or older truck or car is paid for. Okay. Lives in a modest house. All right. You don't, you don't see luxury. You just see comfort and you mm-hmm. see that they don't have the stress of financial problems. Okay. So that this, this interpretation that wealth makes you this, you know, this, this hated extravagant overspending, you know, person, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about having enough money in the bank that you don't, that you can retire at some point in time instead of applying for us to drive a truck when you're seven years old. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm talking about. So uh, I now stand by that. Okay. If you buy a truck, you buy yourself a job. Now you can, we know this, you can come to Landstar and buy yourself a job and you can make 65, $70,000. Okay. You can come to Landstar and buy yourself a job and make $200,000. Right. They're both jobs. Okay. Yeah. So, um, well, I like, I like, I like, um, Robert Kiyosaki's definition of wealth. Wealth is how long you could survive if you stopped working today. Right. You know, um, and, and if you want more information about what he's talking about, there was a great book. It's probably 20 years old now called the millionaire next door. I think it's Thomas Stanley thinks the author, but millionaire next door, and he does this deep dive on millionaires. And then he did another one. I think it was called The Millionaire Mind, where he, he studied DECA millionaires, people that had a net worth of $10 million or more. And he studied their purchasing habits. And he looked at the houses that they had and the cars they had and their behaviors. Um, uh, it's, uh, it's fantastic because it just gets you thinking that, that your average millionaire is not LeBron James. It's not you know, some celebrity, it's not a football player. It's a college professor. It's a guy that owns a trucking fleet. It's a guy that, you know, that was a plumber, um, even school teachers, you know, people that were modest in their, uh, modest and frugal were able to build massive amounts of wealth by average American standards, um, and have a comfortable, um, you know, stress-free way of living and, you know, my, my wife's dad, my father-in-law, um, you know, he, uh, was very frugal. He was a wheeler dealer. He was always buying and selling and trading. And, um, and when he uh, passed away unexpectedly in 2016, you know, he left my mother-in-law in a good, in a good place and with paid for house and paid for cars. And she's not extravagantly wealthy, but she's comfortable. She doesn't have to worry about what's going to happen. Um, you know, she doesn't have to be fretting and all this stuff all the time because he left her with a comfortable amount of wealth, but that's different for everybody, you know? Well, um, well, again, again, understand that, um, well, we, we've, we've covered it. It's fine. Um, well, let's, um, so let, let's, let's do it. So I've got, uh, you know, maps. Ha- I'm going to talk about a minute about hazmat. Okay. A lot of people come here that ha- have never hauled hazmat before. Okay. And, and, and hazmat used to freak me out a little bit, uh, until I came to Landstar and realized that we have the absolute best, uh, we have the best hazmat department on planet earth in the industry. Um, they're, they're fantastic. All you have to do 
is take a picture of your bills and email it to hazmat at landstar.com and then call them and they'll go over every piece of that paperwork line by line. And they'll say, Oh, this is wrong. Correct this, move this, wipe that out, move that over. Um, and once they sign off on it, you're good. And then all you have to do is, is have some straps and make sure the freight is secured and then make sure that your placards stay on the trailer. Well, some clear tape, some clear duct tape, some placard protectors that Landstar will give you free of charge. Um, there's no reason to be getting hazmat violations ever. It's too easy to do. And a lot of people get freaked out by it. But when you have the best hazmat department in the industry and you don't use them, guess whose fault that is? Well, it's not Landstar's fault. It's not the DOT fault. It's your fault. Uh, so hazmat is not hard to figure out there. You need to understand that the big thing is to understand the difference between bulk packaging and non-bulk packaging. That helps a ton because like with the Pennsylvania turnpike, for example, you'll see the big signs that say you can't run hazmat, blah, 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 blah. Well, that's not entirely true. You can't run hazmat in bulk packaging. Uh, that's the difference. So you can't haul totes. But you can haul batteries. You can haul other things that are not in bulk packaging. And there's a, um, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think it's 880 pounds and 119 gallons. So anything over 119 gallons or a single package weighs more than 880 something pounds. Um, that's bulk packaging. You can't run that on turnpike, but everything else you can. So you need to know the difference. Um, and again, the hazmat part department can tell you that but if you're looking at the board and you're looking at a load that's going from you know philadelphia to akron well you better damn well know um what your packaging is because if you're going west to carlisle and you got to go through those tunnels you can't take bulk packaging through there um this comes back to that curiosity that you need um you know it don't be scared of things just go, okay, well, I, where's this fear coming from? Well, this fear is coming from the fact that I don't know um, what the problem is or, or what the deal is. So I can go seek out that information, um, and it's right there. You know, uh, it's it's just not it's just not that difficult. And, and, and Bill Taylor said, you can't haul poison gas and explosives, period, through the PA turnpike. But the other stuff, as long as it's in non-bulk packaging, corrosive flammables all that stuff oxidizers you can run that on the pa turnpike as long as it's not bulk packaging and just because you have numbers on your placard doesn't necessarily mean um that you have bulk packaging because if you have one un number the whole load in non-bulk packaging and it and it's loaded at the same place you have to run the un number well you know, that doesn't, that's a bulk placard, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have bulk packaging. So if you're at Landstar and you're not using the hazmat department, you're just playing with fire because it's, it's too easy to cover your hide. Uh, explosives, don't you just take those placards off and go through the tunnel? Is that what you do? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Just, just pull them off and, and roll through there. That's what I thought. Uh, uh, let's see what else is on my list. Oh, fuel mileage. Okay. I took for granted because my dad tracked every mile of fuel in every vehicle we've ever owned. He always had a little notebook and he would write down the mileage and he would take the number of miles 
that he drove since he last filled up and divide that by the number of gallons he just purchased. And there was the fuel mileage. But I have been shocked at the number of people that come in that don't know how to divide miles by gallons, but that's, that's, that's it. Now you can do that on a little notepad. You can use a free keyword free. Please let me emphasize free app for Android and iPhone called fuel gauges. It's free. Did I mention it was free? Um, and you can track every mile, every gallon. You can put in there what your weight was. You can, you know, you can compare fuel stops. There's lots of information. You can even track your maintenance stuff in there free. Um, and if you're not doing that, why? What, like Larry said, how can you be surprised when he puts out a fuel mileage number? You should know it before he does. He should just be confirming what you already know. And so when you say, well, I didn't know what I said, what? Oh, well, that's because you weren't tracking it. And for you guys that aren't doing that, you're going to find out that, that, um, you know, that number that your dashboard puts out probably won't match what your pen and paper or your fuel gauges does. <clears throat> I apologize for my voice. I've had a long weekend. I've had my grandchildren here all weekend and we went to the UK game last night and I'm, I, I haven't recovered yet, so I apologize. For this. <laughs> but, um, you know, you the only way you can really – there's no way that the ECM knows how much fuel you're using. It's just an algorithm, and it, it doesn't meter fuel going through it. So the only way you can do that is to divide fuel in miles. And uh, the other thing about, about doing this in a big truck is because tanks are so large, mm -hmm. and um, the nozzle lengths on, on, on fuel pumps – are very, very with each other. You have to have a way of consistently fueling up, you know, and if you just let it click off or you're not careful about how you do it, you're going to be very inconsistent. Um, but if you will, um, you'll fuel up to the same point every time you'll get really consistent numbers. And, um, you know, uh, we, I work off the, uh, principle that performance measured, um, causes performance to improve. And without a doubt, when we start having people here understand, you know, um, why we're doing this, um, fuel mileage increases, you know? Um, so it, it is driver controlled. I mean, yes, you can do some modifications to your truck to help it. You can make sure mechanically it's getting good fuel mileage, but at the end of the day, the driver's about 30 or 40% of the effectiveness of, of what you've done. You can overcome a lot of, um, uh, modifications by, poor driving habits and uh the best tool we found to, to monitor your driving habits and give you instant feedback on things you're doing <clears throat> is the uh is kevin rutherford's um scan gauges and so we uh we have those in all of our trucks and we and you know encourage our drivers to learn how to use those as a teaching tool you know we don't need them to track fuel miles we're doing that with fuel gauges but uh, giving you some feedback on how you're driving, uh, what your driving habits are. Um, and of course, probably the number one thing that most people do that's um, a fuel burner is uh, excessive speed and, and of course idling. Um, but again, once you understand that fuel is, a, is your number one cost and it can definitely be controlled, um, you know, we, we, it's not unusual for us to be able to show somebody how to, how to cut their fuel costs by, you know, 
$20,000 a year, you know, just by improving the fuel mileage on their truck, you know? So, um, it's, it's definitely worth your time. Um, it could be a difference between you staying in business or not this year and probably next year. Um, so it's, um, something we, you know, we, we preach it and preach it and preach it here. <clears throat> so this, because- this is a picture of a scan gauge. All right. So it, you can choose any one of those four buttons. Um, you can choose what you're <coughs> measuring. Um, you have instant mile per gallon and you have, um, average mile per gallon. It's not shown on this screen, but the instant shows you what's happening as you press the throttle and the average shows you what you've done over time between the times that you've turned the ignition, uh, off and on. And it's not there to give you a perfect number. It's there to give you feedback so that you understand what you're doing. Um, I want, I always track throttle position sensor, average, uh, fuel economy, instant fuel economy and, um, boost pressure. The boost pressure is there, helps you know how your truck's doing. You know, you should know what your normal, uh, boost is. Um, and you should, uh, uh, be able to, um, to do that and, and, and see that and let it give you feedback of what you're doing when you're doing it. Um, and then you can just improve it, whatever that number is. If it tells you the average is six and a half, we'll make it 6.8. And if it tells you it's seven, make it 7.2. It's just there to give you feedback so that you understand how much you're pressing, uh, you know, the throttle position, how hard are you pressing on that accelerator? How erratically are you pressing on that accelerator? Um, keep your foot steady. Don't use cruise control. Um, you know, it's, it's a fantastic tool. You know, you can use it to check your voltage and your oil pressure and your water temperature. You know, it, it's, it's a, you know, of course you can daisy chain through four of them together and you can have all kinds of information. You can have more information than everyone to have, but it's there to give you that feedback. Um, so that you can improve you because you are 35% of the fuel number. We don't track RPMs on the scan gauge because every truck we have has a, has a tachometer, but that's the number one thing to watch because mm-hmm. obviously RPMs drive fuel mileage more than any other, anything else. Uh, knowing what the um, best m- most efficient uh, number is for your engine uh, and being able to maintain your truck operating at that RPM is, is the most important thing. And then consistency uh, on top of that. But, um, you know, fuel is, um, fuel can be managed. You know, the fuel got every, you know, everybody got excited this year about fuel being way up there, but the majority of our trucks out every, every truck except one, and we're having a algae problem with one of our trucks, but every one of our trucks, but one this week, um, their fuel cost per mile was less than the fuel surcharge. And it's been that way all year long. We've had one or two that, uh, that usually are outside of it, but, um, the rest of them all, um, are consuming less fuel than we're getting paid for it. So, um, it's, um, makes a big difference. And it's, again, it's your number one expense and it's manageable very easily by just making better decisions. <clears throat> so I'm on, this will lead into, um, you know, Landstar 
has done a, a, a really good job with technology. Um, the best thing that they have done probably since the inception of Landstar is the Landstar One app. Absolutely. Um, because it used to be if you wanted to get the real cost of, of a gallon of fuel, <clears throat> we would use a website, I think it's called Find Fuel Stops, and it would calculate it without the tax. Well, it would show, we knew that we got a 25 cent discount at Pilot and Loves, but uh, we were on cost plus at TA. Well, then, so you have to call the number and put in the location code, and it would tell you what the cost plus price was, and then you'd have to add all that together. Well, um, Landstar One has taken all that out. And, you know, right now I'm looking, um, and there's two fuel stops right now, uh, that are separated by, uh, 11 miles and one is 373 after the tax and the discount is removed. And the other one is 455. Now the one that's 455 is a pilot where you'll get 10 driver points to buy a Snickers bar. Uh, and I've literally seen people, well, I like, fly, I like flying J better cause I'll get better driver points. You, okay. So you're going to spend 55 and 27, uh, you're going to spend 83 cents more. Can I do that right? Yeah. 82 cents more per gallon because you get 10 driver points. I, that's just lunacy. But this app will, will show you, you can look at where you're going and you can go see, what the fuel prices are in the places that you're going and you can look up and say, Oh, well, I better not get fuel here. I better wait and get it a hundred miles up the road because it's 20 cents cheaper. Um, and, and, you know, of course we give everybody that comes here a login to Landstar online and we can't get them to use the damn thing, you know? And it's just, it just boggles my mind, um, that, uh, that you can't use such a simple, simple tool, uh, and of course, Larry's on everybody all the time because everybody uses the Apple. Never, nobody goes on to the PC version or the desktop version of Landstar Online. And so you open it up and the whole thing's covered with red dots because there's important information that they put up there that nobody ever reads. And then um, they can't, they're, oh, God, oh, how's that work? And when did that happen? Well, if you would read the notices on Landstar Online, you would have the answer to that question. When's BCO days? Go to Landstar Online. Last How do I get year, a permit? Last you know? year at Thanksgiving, everybody's bitching. When's Landstar going to send us out that free coupon for Thanksgiving dinner? And it'd been on it been on 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 Landstar Online for like a month, you know. Mm -hmm. But obviously, people weren't going there on a regular basis and checking to see what they hadn't read. Um, but there again, it's the same thing. Information is available, but it's easier to get on Facebook and ask somebody a stupid question and get. 18 different wrong answers instead of just going to the source, you know, yourself. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just taking responsibility to provide, you know, your own information as opposed to listening to secondhand information. <clears throat> so I want to talk about work ethic here for a minute, because the one thing that mileage contracts do is they entice drivers to work. And, you know, so from the time I got into this industry, it was, well, give me as many miles as I can possibly get so that I make more money. Well, of course, and of course you got all the people that, well, I, I want to be paid by the hour. Yeah. I know why you want paid by the hour. Cause you must sit on your ass and milk the clock. Um, 
uh, and by the way, that's that's not going to happen. So just just don't worry about it because they're not going to give up the mileage contract to pay you by that hour. But then when you get on percentage, um, then you're of course naturally you're led to want to do the least for the most. You know, you want you want to work the least for the most money, um, and that's I mean that's not an entirely uh, bad strategy. Uh, that you want to get the most rate per mile you have for the least amount of miles. But um, I don't know what it's been so long since I was a company driver. It's been over 10 years now. Uh, well, had that one little stretch at, uh, at Swift for 90 days that I live to tell about, but um, <clears throat> you know, coming from Landstar and going straight to Swift, a 3,500 mile week was nothing. That was the, I didn't have to do Jack. I didn't have to worry about fuel. I didn't have to worry about maintenance. I just shoved the truck in gear and drove. Um, you know, but here we're doing 2,500 to 3,000, 3,500 mile weeks. And it's like some people are surprised by that, that you have, you know, you have 70 hours and, and I want you to, I want you to do your store uh, analogy where you talk about if you had a store open and you had a certain number of hours, do that. Well, we use this just as uh, to teach people how valuable it is not to waste those minutes, you know, by, by being at a, at a truck stop with on duty, as opposed to, you know, being, being off duty or, you know, just letting the client, you know, get to a shipper and they stay on duty for, you know, hour and a half, you know, so the, you know, to, to take it out of trucking to make it obvious, more obvious to people, I just sort of use any kind of a store, any kind of brick and mortar, mortar store, you know, if you have a candy store, you know, and the government, uh, you know, regulates your candy store um, and says, well, you're only allowed to be open 70 hours a week. So regardless of how good of a customer base you build, regardless of how much product you have, regardless of how good you are with your customers, when 70 hours hits, the front door of your place locks and you have to stay locked mm-hmm. until you're off for 34 hours. So every, I mean, no matter how many people shake on that door and want to come in and buy from you, you can't open the door until you've been closed for 34 hours. And that's the same thing with your hours of service as a, as a driver. You know, if you, if you waste those minutes, you know, your, your store is going to get closed and you can't open it back up again. Now, if you had gone off duty and preserved that time, maybe you could have been open long enough to take another few customers in. So just trying to put it into a different you know, a different realm where they understand that each of those minutes is, is money. It's It's a potential for income and every one of them that you waste, you waste the, 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 uh, the potential to, to take that time and make and turn it into money. And so, um, you know, it's just making you aware that sitting there in the truck with the, with the, with the logbook running and you're not thinking about it, um, it's costing you the, the, the chance to make money. Now, whether it does or not, that's, you know, that who knows, but what, if, what if, what if 15 minutes got you home mm-hmm. and you couldn't get home because you ran out of hours, you know, and of course, you know, we won't get into the argument about PC and that sort of thing. But the point I'm trying to make is that you can you can conserve those, those minutes, uh, and, 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 and have the ability to have a lot more time at the end of the week than you may have. But at the end of the week, when you don't have the time, it's too late then to go back and get them. You know, the time to get them is to, is to save them when you can. 
so that when you need them, they're there. Or if you don't need them, it's no big deal anyway. So, um, but that's, that's just the way we try to explain it to people so that they value each one of those 70 hours, each minute of that and, and minimize the time that you're on the clock. So, um, you know, a lot of guys come here and they think, you know, they've been on paper logs or they've been, they've worked for some company where they have this rule where you have to do everything in 15 minute increments. And, and that's, first of all, it's not a requirement. There's no requirement that says that you have to fuel for 15 minutes. You know, um, you, you, you put the, you, you, you go on duty, you stick the nozzle in, as soon as it clicks, you, you go off duty. And if it was seven minutes, it was seven minutes. There's no requirement that it'd be 15 minutes. You know, no requirement that you have to do 15 minute pre-trip. If you can do a pre-trip in 10 minutes and get it all done, there's five more minutes. So just raising the awareness that you know, you're, you're in, you're in business, but the government limits the, the number of hours you can be in business. And then you have to shut down. <clears throat> Your internet was being a little ugly during that, but we got it all. Um, all right. Sorry. The, the, the big thing that you can, you know, there's, there's that drive line, you know, is activated when you go over five miles an hour. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that means that you better know where you're going. Um, I mean, I have strategically chosen to park, you know, like in the middle of the day, if I'm stopping to use a bathroom or something, I'm going to strategically park so that I can use as few minutes as possible. Once I hit that drive line, you know, uh, that I can be in gear and getting up to speed as fast as I can, uh, within reason, uh, to s- preserve those drive minutes. Cause once once you're on the drive line, there's no, there's no turning that off. Now you can control off duty or on duty time a lot easier than you can control driving time. But that's why doing a trip plan is so important because, it sets a benchmark for you that if you say, okay, well, I need to average 55 or 60 miles per hour and I'm going X number of miles. So I need to be at my next stop location by this time. Then if you've planned that out and if you, instead of just shoving the truck in gear and driving and say, Oh, I'll stop somewhere. Well, you've got a plan, you know, and I don't know, I've always been kind of a planner. So I, I, I didn't, I didn't really have to, work all that hard at that but i've noticed people that come here um i i have to tell them look you need to know what you're going to do before you put the truck in gear so that you're not fumbling around uh or you're not picking a a, you know an unfortunate spot to stop um because you've got to preserve those drive minutes those are the ones that are uh, the, the, you can't get back. If you make a mistake and you're on the drive line or you haven't done a trip plan and you take a wrong turn, um, uh, you're burning that drive clock and that drive clock has got to be preserved. You know, like I said, you've got 70 hours. Um, you know, now here I require restarts. Um, people, you know, I don't, I don't look the best money at Landstar is going to be made booking days, booking loads days in advance. If you don't have a fresh clock on Sunday night or Monday morning, it's going to be difficult because what if you've planned your recap wrong and now you've planned to pick up a load on Thursday that delivers Friday and now you can't make it because you have not picked up enough hours. So 
I recommend highly against doing recap, which of course requires a lot more planning because I've got to be thinking about where's my restart going to begin on Friday night or Saturday night. Um, I have to think about that and I have to plan that out. Unless you're on dedicated or regular week to week. Right. Yeah. You can, uh, if you're, if you're on, you know, dedicated for it, but if you're running the spot market, or you're running the board and you don't know where you're going to be. Um, we, we tell people that it's like being on one load the whole week from restart to restart with multiple stops. You know, you've got to look at the whole week as one load because what the decisions you make on Monday can come back and bite you in the ass on Friday. And then you're going, Oh, I don't have the hours or I'm, I'm too far away or, you know, and it's just, uh, you've got to but think about that stuff. Can I address a couple of comments about fuel purchasing that popped up here? Absolutely. Uh, Lee, uh, let's see, not Lee, uh, 81 froze the dollar 10 discount. Uh, be, be careful about making decisions on discount. Um, you can have a discount. I mean, discounts based on the price, you know, the, 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 where you're coming off of, we use many fuel stops that will have less discount. But when you look at the whole price, it was cheaper to begin with. So, um, the, the good thing about the Landstar one app, if you're at Landstar is check it. So it takes the company discount out, check it. So it takes the IFTA out and whatever the cheapest price for diesel is regardless of what the discount is that's your best spot now it may be that's the biggest discount but uh, there's listen i have drivers that have that have very little yeah you know, i'm looking at the fuel ticket and there's well, i had a driver this week that had no discount he bought fuel at a place where there's no discount mm -hmm. but yet at the end of the day the net price of that fuel was was as cheap as anything that we had where there was a discount so you, you don't, don't be confused or don't be distracted by a discount amount. That's not the best way. So at that, at that, um, at that location, Santanella TA right now, 629 on the, uh, marquee, marquee, a dollar 10 Landstar discount and 72 cents state tax. So it's 447 right now for fuel at that TA in california which is cheaper by cheaper. the way than the pilot about 10 miles from my house yeah. so so again it may work out but but don't let that be the sole uh criteria if you're choosing a, a, a fuel stop is how much the discount is look at the actual net price and then compare those the other one i wanted to talk about was um oh the uh the sheets slash wawa Again, uh, be careful about blanket decisions. I mean, you know, it, it's it's easy to go. Well, this company has the best prices, but I, I again, I would highly encourage you that every day before you, when you're doing your trip plan, find your fuel stop for that day because it may not be a sheet; mm -hmm. it may be something else. So, and fuel is it, again, it's such a big expense, and it's so volatile as far as and dynamic as far as pricing that it, you drive right by a place that, that, that may be better than that. So, you know, we warn against making blanket decisions. Uh, I mean, we've always said that you don't ever go to West Je or Jefferson, Ohio and not stop and buy fuel, but every once in a while, that's not true. You know? So uh, you just have to check. And again, it's, it's not like it's a small thing. It, it is a huge part of your operating costs. 
the biggest part of your operating costs. And if you can uh, knock a few cents off of it, it makes all the difference in the world. If you can stay under the fuel surcharge, you know, it doesn't matter what fuel costs if you can stay under the fuel surcharge. So just uh, just a, a little advice there about choosing fuel stops. You know, by all means, make sure that you eliminate the IFTA from the equation and pull out the company discount and then look at everything else for the, what's the cheapest price now. And so, and that's, that's where you need to buy. Now, another thing you got to watch out for with Landstar One, it will only show you a certain radius. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may be driving 600 miles a day and the radius you're looking at might just be 50 miles. So you've got to be able to look at your route and see, wait a minute, if I wait and buy it th- three hours from now, it's much cheaper. So um, you just can't look and find the cheapest fuel where you are or where you may need fuel by previously or by trip planning in the morning, uh, you'll know where the cheapest fuel is on your stop today. And that'll be your decision. Now, if you haven't got enough fuel to get there, then we recommend you stop and get enough to get you there and then top off there. The other thing you really, we really want you to do is don't ever drive by a place that's got cheap fuel. Even if you only top off a few gallons, you'll never ever be in a situation there where you have to buy fuel at, because I'm out. If you stay topped up at cheap, at cheap locations. So that's the strategies that we teach here. Yeah. Well, Phil's out and Phil's out in California right now. Uh, he's been out there twice in the last month or two. I, I told him I was worried he's going to come back with pink hair and like blue lipstick. Uh, he says, I've recently found another country to our West. It resembles a once free country that's now run by communists. It's located where California used to be. That's where we need to build the wall. Okay. By the <laughs> way. Yeah. Yeah, that's we don't what, we don't need a. Uh, I like I like the people down south of the border. It's the people out there in California. There's the wall. Okay, I bet you there's a wall in Martha's Vineyard by next week. <laughs> yeah, it's already yeah. a moat around it. That ain't much more, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Phil and William are having Phil's. William always pushes the truck for the first half of the day. That's how he achieves seven plus mile per gallon in the classic. William's asking, him, "Don't give away all these secrets." Um, well, we've got, we're pulling that classic off the road and, and getting some work done to it. So Did here, you see what his fuel mileage was this week, his, his final week of fuel mileage. Huh? Did, uh, William tell him what it is. I'll have to look at it. I don't, I can, I can tell you. Well, my 9.27. Holy crap. In a, in a classic. Wow. Okay. Pulling a Conestoga. That's that incredible. His, fine, his his ninety day average is seven point oh three. His final fuel up was nine two seven. So, William, we're going to miss you, buddy. You said you set a standard here that I doubt will ever be uh, will ever be topped in in that classic. So yeah, lucky you, brother. Yeah, uh, Andrew. Well, he's got a long road to hoe when he gets back in that truck. Um, yeah, Andrew, if you're if you're watching or listening, you got big shoes to fill, brother. <laughs> yeah. I never would have dreamed it, you know, you could get well, see the the so the ninety day average on that truck is seven point oh three. Yeah. And and the cost of fuel this week was forty one cents. Forty one cents per mile is the fuel cost. And the fuel this week was sixty four? Sixty four cents, yeah. So we made twenty cents a a mile on fuel surcharge wild some people wouldn't take wouldn't would turn down a load for 20 cents a mile yeah it's crazy um 
you know, and, and the last thing I've got on my list here is just, just the industry in general. Um, I, I really encourage you to read that book. Oh gosh. I forget the guy's name, Mark Levinson, uh, about the shipping container. Shipping containers, yeah, it yeah. just gives you, it, it's a little laborious at times because buddy, he's got a bunch of figures in there, but get the audio version. You can listen to it while you're driving, but it just gives a really nice, um, picture of how we transitioned from the fifties and sixties into the seventies and how deregulation had to happen. It, it had to have the, the, um, um, the, 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 the market that we have that blue ribbon could not exist in the regulated market. It would be illegal. Well, owner operators wouldn't be able to exist. Right. No such thing as having your own authority. Right. And so, you, but you need to understand that because you just got these, these amoebas that are like, well, back before deregulation, they didn't, you know, shut up. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. You need to understand your industry. You need to understand how it works. Um, yes, it could be better because all we have done is taken uh, technology and electronics and polished a turd. Uh, the, the way we move freight in this country is ridiculous. Um, you know, with all of the, there's too, way, way, way too many, um, way, way, way too many middlemen. And, and I think we'll get rid of the middleman with blockchain eventually. I don't, I can't, I don't know when, but I think it'll happen. Um, and, and we just need to be able to connect, uh, the, the, the carriers with the shippers. And if we do that and get rid of all these middlemen, it's going to be better for everybody. Uh, but until then, it is what it is. Um, and, and, and if you're at Landstar, stop making the agents your enemy. They are not your enemy, and they, they're not here to serve you. They're here to serve customers. They're here to be your agent. They're here to be your conduit and your contact for the customer. But they're not your bitch. So please stop treating them that way. Um you know, yeah, I, I get you're, you're going to bump into each other. You're going to have problems, but the attitude with which you treat agents as if you're the, you're the only important thing, you know, just like, well, man, shark taking 35% of my money. No, they're giving you 65% of their money. It's their money. It's their customers, not yours. If, if you, if you want the money, go out and do, let's see, what's the guy in the comments here, Sonny Aurora, go out and do what Sonny's doing. He's got an MC. He can tell you about it. You know, uh, you want it all, you go do that. And you, and you take everything that comes with it. You take all the risk that comes with it. You take all the, the discipline that you don't have. Um, and, and, and let me know how that works out for you. Because if you've got that shitty attitude at Landstar, you're, you're going to fall on your face and burn, crash and burn. If you go get your own authority. <clears throat> and release. So, well, with William, with William graduating out of the program, uh, we've done a little bit of, uh, how should I put this delicately? Um, what do you do to the herd cult? We called a little <laughs> bit of the herd. <laughs> yeah. Um, we do have, um, we do have a few openings, a couple. Yeah. Um, you know, here's the thing. Okay. We, we, I had a couple of people call this week and 
and I get emails and I get, I get a lot of emails, Chris, I don't even tell you about, but I like it that way. We're not, we're not here to, to pull you out of the, you know, you know how when you flush a toilet and it goes in circles and the circles get more and smaller and smaller as they go farther and farther down Uh, and eventually they just goes away. You know, if that circling has started, you know, if you're feeling the pressure of everything we've talked about and you wanted to tough it out. And now when you see that the end is in sight, you call me and you want Mm -hmm. me to come and and rescue you and raise you from the dead. Uh, In a nice way, I'm going to tell you, no, thanks. Okay. We, we have, we have a couple opening openings, but they're not for desperate people. We're not desperate. Okay. They're for people who are, are really good drivers that don't have the business experience to be successful as a business person. That's what our program is. Okay. If, if you, if you want to understand how to get in business and stay in business, you know, how not to piss off agents, how not to have fuel costs so much that it, it, it makes you sweat. All the things that we can do for you have to be done before it's a problem. After it's become a problem, it is, it is, it is, I, I don't, I'm not interested in that. I, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not Lazarus. Okay. Um, you know, <laughs> you're not Jesus or yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not, yeah, you're not Lazarus. I'm not Jesus. Okay. <laughs> so, um, come now, come, come and, and learn what we do. And, and prepare yourself. You, you can do this right now. Don't let these, don't let these people scare you out of being, now I've, I've had guys, wives call me that we were looking to hire scared mm-hmm. to death because of, of the, of the news, you know, mm-hmm. um, look, we're not making the money we made last year. Our drivers are probably not making everything they made last year, but nobody, the, the end last year was the best year in the history of trucking period. It's not good. We're probably never going to do that again. That's not normal. If you, nope. if you got into the business thinking that that's normal last year, you, you made a big mistake. You bought stock at the top of the market. And now what are you going to do with it when it's half, what, half that value? That's, you know, that, so, but it's, there, there's no reason that if, if you're a, if you're a, if a, a skilled professional truck driver, and you want to better yourself by, by, you know, by buying a truck and, and being in charge of your own destiny and be like uh, Lee Tibbet, who's former military that loves his job that he bought himself and he's building wealth. Well, he's probably got some retirement with the military to go with that. I don't know. But anyway, the point is that that's, that dream is still there. I, I took, I'm going to take a couple minutes here, Chris, if you don't mind. Go ahead. Because this bothered me this week to the point where I wrote a letter to our fleet. Mm-hmm. And I think I'll take a few minutes. If, if you guys will, will uh, you know, let me do this. I want to read to you the letter that I wrote to the fleet this week, because it kind of, it kind of capsulizes what we do here, what my philosophy is, what we're looking for and what we expect of people here. So dated September 21st, an open letter to all associates of blue ribbon from me. Today, I spent a few hours thinking about what we've accomplished here at Blue Ribbon and what the future looks like. I get many questions about what my plans are going forward with the organization. I think about the state of our country. 
our economic climate, and especially this industry. And I see that as much as we preach podcasts, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, blah, 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 we touch a fragment of the people that need to hear our message. I'm not planning to sit on the sideline uh, or as a podcast listener asked last week, right off into the sunset. Uh, we have work to do here, uh, work that can literally save financial lives of those people who follow and listen to us. To us. Uh, we need a team to continue this crusade, but the team must reflect the values, the ethics, the habits and commitment that I believe in, and that is reflected in the values that I aspire to. Hypocrisy and insincerity are sniffed out in a heartbeat and then seen as false propaganda, losing the message to that individual and their circle of influence forever. Sometimes in our attempt to maintain a level of revenue in a truck for an owner or a partner, we are tempted to let some of our core principles slide. This has been a temporary fix, but has had a longer lasting effect on the overall image of our team. Going forward, we will continue to provide this opportunity to anyone that has the necessary trucking skills but are looking for the business education that is so desperately needed to survive in the, the business world. However, we will not compromise our values and principles that our brand pr promises. Potential candidates must possess and display the essential qualities, skills, desire to learn, and integrity to do what is right every time. We will no longer accept anything less. I think we proved that this week. I spent many days deciding on what to name this business back in 2009. I landed on Blue Ribbon Logistical Solutions, not because it sounded fancy, but rather because it inherently suggests that the service and product is of a blue ribbon quality. And the word solutions indicates that we are here to solve your logistical needs. In competitions, the blue ribbon is reserved for only the best of the best. I've worked very hard in my other ventures to earn the blue ribbons that adorn the walls of my office. Mediocrity did not win them. Quote, good enough did not win them. Quote, I'll do it right next time did not win them. Quote, I forgot did not win them. Quote, I didn't have time did not win them. Doing it right and at my very best every time is what won them, whether it was convenient to me or no matter how I felt or whatever excuse you care to insert here, did not. This program is no different. Excuses are just reasons that losers use to avoid accepting the truth. As you know, we don't tolerate that here. Accountability is required, plus having maturity to know that you shouldn't accept it from yourself. Hold yourself to the high standard of the blue ribbon. Your actions will tell the story. Your words will not. I believe with all my heart that a genuine opportunity still exists for a person who is sick and tired of being sick and tired and is actually willing to do the hard work to elevate himself and his family to financial independence and the freedom that accompanies it. I believe that such an opportunity exists right here at Blue Ribbon. Our program is unique and unparalleled in trucking, but it requires 100% commitment. The contrast between an employee driver and a business owner is vast. We pull back the curtain and allow people to see what it really takes to be successful in business. We expose the challenges that real businesses encounter 
but in a risk-free environment to the student. This industry is in desperate need of customer-driven logistical solution providers. I've said many times in trucking, there is much capacity, but very little competition. This has never been more true than today. The current market correction will be the end of the road for much of the capacity. Free market competition will pick the winners and the others will be left behind. The sense of entitlement that truck owners have just because they decided to go into debt to buy a truck will fail them. Competition is their enemy. You are their enemy because you can continue to operate when they cannot. It's your fault that rates are in the tank. It's anyone's fault but theirs. This year has provided challenges for us as well. Rates are down, fuel is up, profits are down, but we will survive. We, not, we may not be as profitable as in recent years, but we'll still be here when the cycle changes. Many will not survive. They'll conceal it with reasons like, I'm retiring, or I've decided to change occupations, or whatever. These are the times that test the will and the burning desire that separates the 1% from the rest. This is where the ones that weren't really committed to it will quit. This is where character is exposed. And fear and anxiety test your will and dedication to your goals. Remember, if this was easy, there would be no failure rate of 90% in the industry. Now is the time to rededicate yourself to achieving your dreams and not let the fear mongers steal it from you. We will go forward with our mission. We will go forward with team members who are blue ribbon level individuals. Today, you need to ask yourself if you are at that blue ribbon level. If not, make the decision that you will do whatever it takes to get there. Let's start with the correct attitude. Maximum effort, no excuses. Results-oriented, high-performance-based actions. Laziness does not have a place in this program or in a successful business. If doing things the right way are too much trouble, then you are doomed to mediocrity and a quick exit from our team. We'll continue to project to our customers and our strategic partners, agents, brokers, and Landstar Corporate, that when they are working with a Blue Ribbon team member, they're working with the very best every time. Words are worthless. Actions tell the real story. Do not disgrace our team with mediocrity and being average and ordinary. There are thousands of other, of other BCOs that already do that. Set yourself apart from the rest by providing a blue ribbon logistical solution. Your family's future is in your hands. What will you do about it? That pretty much sums it up, guys. That's what we're looking for. It's what this program was designed to do is give people, good people, the opportunity to learn from a 47-year business person and a 25-year truck driver that uh, have chosen to combine their skills, give you the opportunity to learn everything we know at no cost to you and with no financial risk to you. But these values must be brought to the table. We will no longer teach a trucking school at Blue Ribbon Logistics. I'd like to just give a shout out to Spectrum Internet for not taking a dump while you were doing that because it was perfect. So good to <laughs> thank them for their service when they come to fix it on Tuesday. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, th this is not easy. You know, driving a truck's not easy. I mean, it's 
it's, it's kind of easy to learn how to do, but to do it well, to do it successfully as a company driver, as an owner operator, it, it requires a great deal of attention to detail because you're sitting on 40 tons of engine and steel. It's a dangerous job by the numbers. Um, but you know, one other thing I wanted to say about work ethic is I was thinking about this today cause I was kind of getting on myself. I've always prided myself on having a work ethic and I was taught that by my parents. Um, but <clears throat> you know, I, I haven't driven a truck. I haven't pulled, I haven't pulled a load since August of 2021. But if I had to, I could take about 30 minutes and throw my stuff together and get in a truck and go out and bust off a 3,500 mile week with no problem. Now I'd probably be dragging a little bit when I got done, but I could do it. And I could also do everything that goes with it. I could scan my paperwork on time. I could communicate with the agents. I could plan my trips. I could do everything that I needed to do. But yet there are things that I need to do like exercise and eat right. And, and there are other things that, that are very, very difficult for me that I struggle with. And it made me ask myself the question, well, do you really have a work ethic if you can't do the things that you don't like doing and you can do the things that you do like doing, you know, but it's a choice, you know, it, it's, it's just a choice that you make that you say, okay, I'm going to be the guy that communicates well with the agent. I'm going to, um, I'm going to do my bookkeeping and my data entry, and I'm going to create that habit. And it's a choice. You choose to do that or you choose not to do that. Uh, like Larry said, all these BS excuses. Oh, well, I forgot. Well, then, then, then put a post-it note on your windshield or get a, a dry erase marker or get a label maker and, and put notes where you can see them to remind you what you need to do when you need to do it. If you can't remember then you need to do something to make you remember. Um, but you have a duty to your customer to communicate well. Your agent is your customer. Um, you have a duty, if you're going to run a business, to do proper bookkeeping and accounting. Um, you, can't just, you can't just not do that stuff, you know? And I was, you know, anyway. Um, I, because we want you to come here and get everything that we have to offer you in this very short period of time, 15 months goes by quick. Um, and there is a lot that we have, um, to prepare you for being a successful owner operator. That's going to be in business more than two years because anybody can do anything for a short period of time. You can do some really, really dumb stuff for a short period of time and get away with it. Eventually you're going to hit the wall. That's what happened to me. You know, I was able to stretch it out about three years. Um, and, you know, so I guess I beat the average. Uh, but I still fell on my face. So, um, and and we it, we give you all the tools that you need to not have what happened to me happen to you. Well, um, you know, I get we've tried to cover as much as we can here. But, you know, hopefully if you're, you know, if you're, if you're listening to this and you're looking at getting into trucking, th these are the things that you're going to have to start educating yourself because obviously the training companies aren't doing it. That's blatantly obvious. So if they're not going to do it, 
then you're going to have to take the initiative to do it for yourself. So being in business is hard. Okay. It's, it's hard. That's why most people, that's why most businesses fail. Okay. In this industry, a high number of them fail within the first two years. And it's because of lack of experience. You know, they, they see other people signing a lease purchase or going out and financing a new truck or doing this or doing that. And it looks like it uh, on the surface that they must be doing okay. The truck's operating everything. And then it doesn't. And then the truck's, you know, I mean, we, the number of people that we've talked about, you know, or talked to, and they, they used to be, uh, they were in a lease purchase or used to be a BCO or used to be here, used to be in there. And you know what puts them out of business? One incident, um, a deer hit my truck and you couldn't survive that. Well, no, it took two months to get the truck back. So your business plan didn't allow for you to be able to go two months and survive. <clears throat> I mean, I don't, I'm not trying to be mean or cold, but you're, you, you, when you buy a truck, you go into business. When you go into business, you have to have a plan. And you have to have the ability to withstand the unexpected because in this industry, it's not unexpected. It's very much expected. If you buy a truck that's later than 2008, I promise you, you're going to have emission problems. Yep. Okay. I promise you. It's not, it's not, a, it's, it's not going to be just a, a freak thing that happens. It's going to happen. And it may take you several weeks to get that part right now. So when you make the decision to buy that truck, add that to what you need to make that decision. If I have, what if I have to survive six weeks without any money? What am I going to do? Well, maybe you ought not go into business. Maybe you ought to get a good job somewhere and save up the money, number one, so you wouldn't have to finance or lease that truck. And why not start out with a, with a less expensive truck for your first one and see how it goes. I promise your customer doesn't really give a rat's ass. Mm -mm. Okay. The only person who cares is you and the people you're trying to impress that don't like you anyway. <laughs> right. So, you know, we, we just, we just pull the bullshit out and deal with what really, really matters here. That's what we do. Okay. And we can give you lots of, I've been doing this trucking thing since 08. I bought my first truck in January of 2009. Fuel got to be five something a year, a, a gallon that year. 25% of MC numbers went away in 2009, 2010. I bought my truck then. Okay. I survived that. You know, my truck got 9.2 miles per gallon um, with some work and the way I drove. And then 2014, when I'm at Landstar, rates went to shit here for a while. I had drivers in my trucks. I wasn't even driving then. And survive that. And then the pandemic, you know, and now this thing this year, you know, it all, none of that put me out of business. You know, we, our, our cost of operating is, is low enough that we can survive. We may not go to the bank every, every couple of days, like we did last year, but we're still here and we can teach you how to do that, but it's going to be making decisions that are different than your friends made. It's going to be making decisions different than what most people that, advise you in this industry are going to tell you, um, including Landstar at their orientation. Okay. <laughs> so, 
you know, if, if you really want to learn how to be in, if, if you really want to be in business and have, and, 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 and grow that wealth and understand that, yes, you can do, you can be a millionaire in this business in 10, 12 years. Okay. But you've got to cut, you can't have holes in the bucket. You know, you can't, you can't, you, making the money is not what makes you a millionaire. It's keeping the money is what makes you a millionaire. And we can show you how to do that. And the number one way of keeping it is quit spending it at truck stops by buying ro- fuel wrong and driving your truck 80 miles an hour down the road. <clears throat> so the things that you have to do to be successful are not going to be easy decisions to make. They're going to require discipline. And most people don't have that because most people don't even have a savings account, right. much, less, much less a reserve account for their business. <clears throat> So that's the, that's the hard truth about this. You know, that's where the commitment comes in. You really want to do this? Come make the commitment and we'll, you'll, we'll, we'll make, we'll help you do that. But you have to understand, okay, that it's not going to be comfortable and it's not, you know, the, the price you pay will be a great one for success. It will be a bigger one for failure. Okay. So, um, now, look, a couple of things. I will be at BCO Days this week, Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, if you guys want to come up, talk to me. I will absolutely be happy to talk to you. Um, the other thing I want, we haven't really said much about tonight, but obviously Pittsburgh Power is our sponsor. I've used their products since 2009. We talk about the OPS, which saved me $100,000 plus since 2009 uh, in one truck. The max mileage fuel catalyst, we've been a consumer of that in all of our EGR trucks. Um, we believe in the products. They obviously have lots of other things that are diesel-related, performance-related. But we appreciate you giving them your business, giving your consideration, letting them know where you found out about us, about them, uh, because they, uh, they're very nice to us, and we want to be nice to them. So, yeah. The other thing is Chris has come up with something that uh, is um, exciting for us. I didn't believe in it at first because I'm, again, I'm a commitment guy and I felt like YouTube was our best um, reach because people would commit to an hour, hour and a half or whatever of it. And, uh, but TikTok uh, has become uh, a big thing and we're actually, we're, we're getting into that, into that uh, media and uh, we're, uh, they're going to be taking pieces and bits of our, YouTubes and dividing them up in these little TikTok um, uh, spots. I get Chris. I'm probably using the wrong words. Yeah, doing close enough. And uh, so start watching for those this week. You know, subscribe or whatever you could do. And I don't even know what what you do, but but we're going to be on TikTok and uh, and um, see how that works as far as um, and we have out. a we have an Instagram account now. Um, and, and so the easiest way to find everything, really, if you go to Instagram.com slash Blue Ribbon Logistics, there's a link in the bio and it links to all of our stuff, um, all of our TikTok and Pittsburgh Power. And uh, it's a handy little thing um, there. And so just uh, just say that one more time. Right again. Um <clears throat> I have to throw you a bone once in a while to keep yeah. you Who wants to buy your seat? Are you t- are you literally talking about his chair? Is that what we're talking about? Well, his- <laughs> Ravenloff of Chris's seat. Well, 
I am actually going to Gatlinburg with my uh, oh, family. Is going to Gatlinburg um, for a volleyball. Well, yeah, I'll get. I'll get. Listen, the first thousand dollars he you've got his seat. Okay. Yeah. I'll thousand dollar super chat, and that gets you my yeah, seat. Yeah. Back to that good. super chat thing. Is there like a limit to how much that can be? Oh no, dude! I've seen on well, some of these people they get. Well, we we need to up the ante there a little bit. Ten dollars didn't get my attention much. Okay. Put some <laughs> zeros behind that, and we'll you'll get my attention. All right. I'm like the shark tank. I don't wake up and get out of bed for 5%, okay, of your equity. <laughs> yeah. Make it interesting for me, all right? So. Um, <clears throat> uh, let's see. What's well, ETO me... Metro? Well, we're, you know, it's kind of a back burner thing right now. We do have, we do have it towed to where it's going to be repaired. We do own the cab that will be the donor cab. we got to get it out of a weed patch, though, in southern Kentucky and get it up to where the truck is. So that's where we're staying right now, so. Um, it hasn't been high on our list, but we will, it, it's going to happen. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, and, um, it, it definitely will happen, but, uh, it's on our round to it list. Uh, let me put this up here for Rocky looking for a couple mechanics in Jacksonville, willing to learn and perform alignments along with the ability to replace suspension components, maybe moving into a four bay shop and have plenty wow. of work. So it's good news. So yeah. North Florida MD alignment moving up in the world. Um, Congratulations, Rocky. Uh, oh, he said he hits in too soon. If anyone knows somebody, have them contact me, North Florida MD alignment services. Uh, William says, uh, starts with TikTok and ends with OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're pretty safe. I don't think you're going to find us there. I don't have, <clears throat> I don't have uh, the material they're looking for. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Richie Matthews is going to hide from the hurricane at BCO days. Uh, yeah. well, listen, everybody needs to understand that with me not being there, uh, Richie Matthews will be live and in person, uh, carting around BCO days with, uh, uh, with, uh, with Larry in my absence. So I cannot wait to hear those stories. Um, now listen, Ken and Ken and Mary are wanting a bur bourbon update. Larry. Well, all right, here it is. Okay. I've seen this bourbon and it's, and it's, and it's caught my attention a couple of times. And the reason why is because how it's made. Okay. It's called Jefferson's ocean bourbon. And what they do is they, 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 of course, you know, bourbon's always aged in, uh, new charred white oak barrels. Okay. So they do that at Rick houses in, in Kentucky, but then for the last two or three years, they put it on a, on a ship. And it goes out in the ocean for two or three years. And it's doing this. So it has this yeah. rocking back and forth. And, and I tell you what, we destroyed one, uh, 175 <laughs> this weekend. Okay. And it, and I'm telling you, I'm going to have to get uh, Nick to get, uh, to get his game up here. What's uh, it called again? Jefferson's ocean. Jefferson's ocean. Jefferson's bourbon ocean, ocean bourbon or, but, uh, anyway, it's, um, it got the uh, it got the Larry Long uh, thumbs up seal of approval, um, so uh, and it's unlike some of the bourbon I like. You can go buy this at a liquor store; it's not hard to find. So um, I mean, a good a good liquor store that has good bourbon will will have it. So I should get a I should get a paid for that. That's a yeah. That's a great. Um, that's a great plug. Plug, yeah, yeah, yeah testimonial. So. Um, so Richie had to sign a, um, non-disclosure agreement to come to, 
to come to BCO days with me because, uh, you know, uh, it's in Indianapolis and the whole time I drove for FedEx or drove for Transport America doing FedEx, I operated out of Indianapolis. So uh, there might be a couple of ghosts up there that we might need to keep in the closet up there. So. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I'd love to be there, but uh, fatherhood calls. So I'll be in Gatlinburg, maybe now getting some of that moonshine down there. That's making a, a, a the a, the right a mature dis- disciplined decision. So yeah. All right, y'all. Uh, we will let's consult the calendar um, because uh. Is this when we're coming back from Gatlinburg? Yeah, we will be Sunday night, the second at twenty one hundred. Um, so yeah, if, if you guys are coming through West Virginia, not this week, but next week, we tentatively have an orientation scheduled. We got a guy coming in, and we can't do it on a weekend, so we're waiting for Lancer qualifications to you know to get him through. But I think he will. So if you want to come through and you know hang out or uh, maybe try some of this uh, Jefferson's uh, Ocean Bourbon at the uh, no, no. Blue only Bar. downfall. Only downfall to having an orientation during the week is no Nick and no bar. Oh, Blue I Ribbon. bet you, I bet you I can make that happen. Well, you probably can. Yeah, I bet you I can make that happen at least one night. So yeah. All right, I know, I, I know how Nick. I, I've, I know how to motivate him. Okay, one hundred percent, certainly do. <laughs> All right, y'all, it's been fun. Uh, we'll be back with you here next Sunday evening at nine p.m. Everyone, be cool, be safe, and we'll see you next time. All right, Th- thanks, guys. See you.